Welcome to Bucks Insider Live. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And man, nice to have a win to talk about and a win that felt like it addressed some of the things that had been concerns after the Chiefs game that I think uh, a lot of people talked about how they felt like this was going to be one of those kind of get right games, hopefully, that the team felt a bit of a chip on their shoulder after the way the Chiefs game went and that this Atlanta team was going to force them to address some of those things, like, for example, the run game and wanting to get the run game started on our end, that it was just, that's all, I felt like that was all we were talking about leading up to that game was the run game on their side, the run game on our side, and how that was going to go. So let's just start for you. What were some of the big takeaways watching? how this Falcons game plan, you know, panned out and, and what it means about this team. Well, I would, uh, I guess I would modify everything you just said to say all of that was great for three quarters. Yes. So the Buccaneers are still not, and they would say the same thing, played a full game. But through the first three quarters, what they did <clears throat> that they hadn't really been doing in the first four games was play a good complementary football with every phase of the game working well together. And the Buccaneers, for instance, had three straight drives in the first and second quarters that went 11 or more plays. They ended up with five drives of 11 more plays, which is really good. I mean, that means you're out, you're converting on third downs and you're picking up a lot of, uh, you know, good gains, not necessarily big plays. There weren't a ton of explosive plays, a couple by, by Mike Evans, of course, and one by Chris Godwin, but mostly it was a lot of, you know, for the Falcons, it was death by a million paper cuts. It was just, they couldn't stop the Leonard Fournettes, the Kate Ottens, and so on, and, and Scotty Miller was contributing. So that was another thing I would take away from that game is we found some guys who hadn't been really contributing a ton to the passing attack did, and that really helped because the Falcons, as Todd Bowles explained after the game, their defense, they were trying to bracket the outside guys, and they were trying to clutter up the middle to make it hard to run directly up the gut. So that's why you saw a lot of passes sort of to the – you know, flared out to the outside to like Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. Right, who Leonard Fournette ended up being uh, the leading receiver for the yeah. Buccaneers in a game that had Mike Evans and had Chris Godwin. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't because those guys didn't do good things. They it was just, plays, yeah, yeah, it was it was the, the Lenny Fournette day, it felt like. And uh, what did you see overall from his game and what this has meant uh, maybe about his production, especially after these last few games where, you know, the, the run game in particular had not really been going and, and really it had been since the Cowboy game where we saw him get a lot of stats. Yeah, and it's clear that Tom Brady trusts throwing the ball to Leonard Fournette, so since that's what the Falcons were giving, that he was perfectly willing to keep feeding it to Leonard. And, you know, since even since the start of last year and even probably since the 2020 playoffs, it's been pretty clear that Leonard Fournette is an underrated pass catcher. And if you look at this, since the start of last year, uh, only Christian McCaffrey, who's basically known as the best pass catching back in football, if not Austin Eckler, who's right underneath Leonard Fournette, those guys, he's right there with them in terms mm -hmm. of, of their of how many times he catches passes in right. a game. And in this particular game, he caught 10 for 83, which were both career highs for him. And it was the first 10-catch game by a Buccaneer running back since Ernest Graham in 2007. And it was pretty cool because Ernest Graham was there as the legend of the game. So it was almost like it was meant to be. It was meant to be, <clears throat> for sure. And, uh, you know, it was interesting just thinking about for as you talked about what they were they were giving them the, mm -hmm. the throws throws to Leonard were what they were giving them I've heard Todd Bowles and Byron Leffridge everybody get asked about I think people are trying to figure out what you know now that Todd Bowles is the head coach what is an ideal Todd Bowles game look like what does his strategy look like and every time they just keep talking about well it's whatever the other mm -hmm. team gives us that yeah of course you're always going to want to get the run game going or want to get the ball into Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's hands or you mm -hmm. know whatever but then it is about we're not just going to force things because it's what we want to do. We're going to see what the other team is giving us. And I feel like we've seen that so far that it's the adjustment into reading what goes on. And that may also be part of why it feels like 
the team kind of gets a little bit better as the game goes on offensively and sometimes it, maybe those first couple drives aren't as effective. Mm -hmm. They read what's going on, make adjustments, and then start producing a little bit more. Well, to, as you said accurately, Todd Bowles has said every time that topic has come up that he doesn't care if it's 50 passes or 50 runs, whatever gets you mm -hmm. the points and the wins. But I think the uh, probably the most telling thing that either of those two have said about this is Byron Leftwich uh, saying it's not really about balance because everybody wants to everybody wants to use the word balance and I understand you do want to have a balanced attack but what what uh, Byron says is what we want to be is multiple mm. so we want to be able to do to win this way if the defense is presenting this like what Atlanta did to us we want to be able to do what is necessary to beat that if they are you know putting only six men in the box and they want you to run the ball because they don't want you to throw then we need to be able to run the ball so it's not about balance it's about being able to do a lot of things well right and in this particular game being able to pick up a lot of yards by throwing the ball underneath to your running back and your tight ends and even scotty miller across the middle then that's what we can do yeah and you know and then at some point we can also hit big plays to mike evans because he's so good right yeah he knows how to do this football thing um I, one of the stats that i thought was really interesting and probably one of the ones i would have least expected in this game was how many sacks the defense got mm -hmm. when we heard that it was just the falcons were going to run the ball run the ball run the yeah, ball run right. the ball i don't know that i would have expected five sacks on the game five sacks is already incredible no matter what even if it's a team that throws the ball all the time mm -hmm. and five sacks by five different people was, great. was really incredible what did that tell you about what this defense is capable of and just the way that Todd Bowles is using so many different people well it, it means that we're taking advantage of those opportunities and and it's funny because last year I remember one of the narratives of the pass rush was we were getting a lot of pressure it's and some of the guys were getting a lot of pressure and they weren't necessarily converting into sacks they weren't making all in those pressure sack opportunities into sacks this year the it's kind of flipped because mm -hmm. if you look at this this is very encouraging right 19 sacks through five games which is really good it's yeah. almost four a game and it's third among all teams and those are right now san francisco and dallas are considered the best pass rushing teams in the league okay so we're right there with them that's encouraging but the strange thing is if you look at pressure rate we're at about 24 percent which is ranks about 24th in the league so we're not getting nearly as many pressures mm. but a higher percentage of them are becoming sacks so i guess you can look at it two ways you can be a little bit disappointed that we're not getting that pressure or you can say wow there's a lot of meat left on this bone right yeah the, the, the Buccaneers, and how good it is that they're actually getting them down yeah exactly so i think that the buccaneers pass rush can get a lot better and and that's and considering we're third in the league in sacks that's pretty encouraging one thing though is a lot of it's coming through blitzes. So our, our sack rate when we blitz is almost 40%, and that's in the top 10 in the league. So what we need is more pressure from non-blitzes. We, mm -hmm. need, we need more pressures from Joe and Shaq and Logan Hall and all those guys. Okay. Uh, and then I know that this coming week, uh, going up to Pittsburgh, what are the biggest things standing out to you about this matchup and uh, what the Bucks need to be on the lookout for going into this week? Well, uh, the biggest story, obviously, is that they've switched their quarterback. So we, we were going to face Mitchell Trubisky, who we basically single-handedly put in the Pro Bowl. when he, he actually made the Pro Bowl one of those years in Chicago because he had, like, I don't know, 20 touchdowns. I think he had six in one game. Yeah, that or something. was crazy. Uh, but we're not going to have to face Mitchell Trubisky and have our Trubisky revenge game because they have switched to their, to their rookie, Kenny Pickett, who was the 20th pick in the draft and the only quarterback taken in the first two rounds and it was a weird year for quarterbacks but he was considered the most pro ready and so we're fine they're finding out now is he ready and he made his first start last week did throw for something like 320 yards but they only scored three points yeah. in a 33 loss and he's thrown three interceptions and about 100 throws so far so um 
you know, there's maybe an opportunity to get some big plays off him. And again, we go back to pressure. I bet I would be willing to bet that Todd Bowles is going to try to bring a lot of extra pressure on a rookie quarterback yeah. and confuse him. Yeah, right. and this is where, yeah, definitely uh, the way that he calls the defensive where you never know who's doing what yeah, would be exactly. very hard for Disguise. a rookie. Yeah, when you see even Aaron Rodgers having to call a couple timeouts <laughs> and be like, what is happening? Yeah. It's going to be a little rough for him. But, uh, you know, the good news is that uh, since 2020, the Buccaneers have faced, what is that, seven rookie quarterbacks, usually making one of their first couple starts, like Justin Herbert. Um, Mac Jones, I think, was maybe in his fourth start. And they've beaten all of them except Daniel Jones. And, and remember, Matt Gay could have won that game with a field goal at the end. So the Todd Bowles defense has a pretty good track record against quarterbacks. Although, as you can see from the pass rating, a couple of those guys did pretty well. I mean, you probably recall Justin Herbert was amazing. Right. Tom Brady kind of outdueled him. Yeah. And then we won 38-31. So um, I, I have a pretty good feeling about Todd Bowles and his crew being able to handle a rookie quarterback. Okay, now I want to get to a couple of our Facebook questions okay. here before we finish. Uh, Delvin asked, how has Kate Otten impressed you, and do you think he could move into a starting role? Well, <laughs> this is funny because it was a similar question that was asked on Monday in, in Todd's press conference. It, could his role expand? And Todd actually laughed a little bit. He complimented him in several ways, but he also laughed a little bit and said, I don't know how much more can expand. You know, he's already... He played 94% of the snaps in the last game. Now, Cam yeah. Ray wasn't there, but if you look at their snaps, uh, they're almost equal. They both missed one game, and Cade um, uh, has a, about 20 more snaps than, than um, Cam does. Mm. And they both have almost the same amount of snaps in 11 personnel, which means one tight end on the field. So they're basically co-starters already. And Cade has actually started four games. It's just because whatever package we happen to be in. Right. So he's kind of already a starter. And what Coach Bowles always says about him is that he does everything right. And it's funny because I said that to him. We had him on our Salty Dogs podcast mm -hmm. yesterday. And I we were I was asking him a question. I said that Todd Bowles says that. And he, and he started laughing. He goes, I don't think I do everything right. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, a lot of things I need to do better. And but. that's pretty impressive because I feel like uh, Bowles is not <clears throat> someone that hides when he thinks you're not doing things right. That, <laughs> that most guys would say, yeah, Bowles. I think they would almost describe him as that he's never satisfied, that whatever you do, like I think Jamel talked about that, about how like, you know, you can get an interception and it's, you know, you should have taken that all the way back or whatever. He is a coach that mm -hmm. is constantly pushing you to be more and more. So for him to say that about a rookie, yeah. it's pretty incredible. I think what he means is he knows all of his, uh, his assignments yep. and you can trust him to go where he's supposed to go. And I also thought in that game with the six catches that he had that he really displayed very sure hands mm -hmm. and, and he took some hits and held onto the ball. Just think he's a very solid player yep. with room to grow. Okay. Uh, our other question <clears throat> is Richard asked, uh, any updates uh, with Carlton, Edwards, and SMB? Carlton's the, probably the, the best along those. He participated fully in practice yesterday. He, he went out of the game with a hip injury, but to be right back in full participation the next Wednesday probably means you're going to be fine. Right. Um, Sean did not practice, and I believe he had an MRI on his quad injury, so he's probably the one that's most in doubt. Mike Edwards was limited. He's got an elbow thing, but I would imagine, unless it's really bad, you probably play with an elbow injury okay. as a safety. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider Live. Thank you, as always, for joining us and for those questions, and we'll be back here next week.